Good morning, everyone. I hope that's your story, praising the Savior all the day long, right? Wow, it was so good to hear that. I'm old enough that I, I remember that. <laughs> it's, I hope some of you uh, still find value in the older hymns and the older songs and spiritual songs that we do. And I'm so grateful that our uh, worship team recognizes that. Uh, it is so good to hear those. Um, I would just like to say, welcome everybody. I see a couple of new people today. We've got people in and out all the time, and uh, we're, get, we're getting our way through Thanksgiving uh, week we're, we're, or month. We're calling this thing actually Let's Be Thankful Month. And so all month we've been kind of navigating through what it means to be thankful. Uh, you know, Nick started us off with the idea that we are thankful for each other. And I hope you are thankful for one another. I know I am thankful for you. Um, then we talked a little bit about uh, being thankful for trials. And um, you guys kind of eked through that one pretty good last week. It was fun to kind of give the illustration of seeing things through a little bit of a different set of glasses. And that's what we have to do with trials, right? That's the only way we'll ever be thankful is to recognize that God is doing something through them. Uh, this week, we're going to thank the Lord for provision, uh, for his provision. And uh, it's a pretty interesting journey, I hope, for you today as we, we, we navigate through this. But I want to start this series or today's talk, I guess, about something that I feel that I need to remind each and every one of us of, that God has provided us with life. We are told differently these days. And he has provided us with purpose. And if you believe that somehow two rocks were flying through the air and that they somehow collided together and you were made, or if there some crazy one-celled amoeba thing was cruising through the water and found a female version of that and come together, and then that's how you got here, then you take out the creator. You remove God from that. That's what the world would like to tell us. But the scriptures tell us differently. They tell us that we have a creator, that he has created you and me, but not just to kind of hang out here on earth, but he actually has created us with purpose, and he has given us provision to live here on this earth, to, to fulfill our purpose. Um, let's look real quick at Hebrews 11.3, if we could. It says, the writer of Hebrews reminds us this morning that we were not two rocks flying in the air, exploding, and here we are. He says this, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. So by faith, we as Christians look at the world so much differently. God created us with his breath, with his word. That's how we were created, not by things that he, he saw and he put together, but literally by his word. 
God created everything we see from nothing. And this is a very difficult thing for our limited human minds to kind of think through, isn't it? That we were, you know, the question often gets um, presented, well, then who created God? You know, and a couple of weeks ago, we kind of navigated through that when we talked about God and his glory, that he is infinite, and he's always been here and always will be here. But if you really think that that's what has gone on here, I, I, I point you to the scriptures today to, through faith, we believe that we are not a mistake. We are not an accident. We are created by a holy God. Psalm 100, um, turn there please, go to Psalm 100, reminds us of the idea that God uh, is worthy to be praised. Psalm 100, starting in verse 1, says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence and with singing. Know, important word in this, this psalm, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We should be thankful for God's provision of life and purpose. And so now we're going to navigate the rest of our time together. We're going to navigate through the provision that he has given us so that we can carry out his plan. So let's pray together and we will move forward in that thought. Lord, thank you. Thank you for creating us that we aren't just some type of a happy accident. That you love us. You uh, created us out of your good pleasure and, and for your glory. Oh, so grateful. If, there's, if we go no further this morning, Lord, and thank you for that, we have... Uh, we have said a lot. But Lord, as we navigate our t through our time here on this earth, may this be the thought of the morning. May this help us, Lord, keep this thought in mind. Help us keep the thought that yes, you have created us for your glory, but you have created us with a purpose, and that is to know you and to bring glory to your name. And Lord, you've given us all the provision we need to do so. So help us this morning. Guide my words this morning. Please speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to kind of hang out in Matthew 6 today. So if you want to open your cell phones to Matthew chapter 6 or your real paper Bible or whatever you have, I promise I'm not going to jump around anymore today. It's unusual for me. Um, I tried so hard this week. I was telling Tamala this week that this was one of the hardest ones to kind of pinpoint for me. It wasn't that it was uh, the Lord wasn't speaking to me. I must have not have been listening because I had been all over the Bible this week trying to say what I believed the Lord wanted to say and, and um, I couldn't get it. I wasn't listening very well apparently. <laughs> so he's got me at chapter 6 of Matthew uh, starting in um, uh, verse uh, 19. 
But through this, you may not understand where we're at in our Bibles. We're at in the, really in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you understand the Sermon on the Mount or know anything about it, Jesus is really, they call it the greatest sermon ever preached. And uh, I like that because every other preacher that has ever preached on the Sermon on the Mount is really just using Jesus' sermon, really, to reteach, you know? And uh, this is really good. And we're just going to use one segment of this whole big sermon, but I think it's pertinent for this morning for us understanding uh, that he has provided for us. And that, again, just to reiterate that we're not an accident and that he is, is here, he's created us, but with a purpose and he will provide. So let's start, if we can, um, in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So there's a couple things going on there. We are not to lay up, or if you want to kind of talk in our language a little more, store up, gather up, hoard up, treasures earthly treasures for ourselves. Notice there that he, um, when he uses the word yourselves, uh, he's not saying that it's do not store up things for other people. He's saying do not store up things for yourself. When we're talking about ourselves, we typically store up things for ourselves, not for the day of. You don't need to store up things for today, do we? We store up things for another day in the future, for uh, some time in, not in the present. So what Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures. Now, that word treasures in the Greek can talk about money, it can talk about um, riches, it, it, for the most part, it's anything of great value or anything you deem great value. So he's saying, do not store up things of great value. Earthly things of great value. Do not do this. You know, this isn't a... Here's a good financial plan, guys. I would suggest that you go ahead and not store up these things. You can do it if you want, but you know what? I suggest you don't. No. Jesus is telling us, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Why? Because moth and rust will destroy them, or thieves will break in and steal them. So what's his point? Any earthly treasure has the ability to go away, to be stolen, to rot. He uses moths and rust. We all get those analogies, right? Earthly treasures is what he's saying will not be here one day. They are temporary. They're only here for a blip, if you want to think about eternal in general. But what he does say, 
we can do in verse 20, he says, but lay up for yourselves. So it's okay to store up, and it's okay to store up for yourselves treasures, riches, things you deem valuable in heaven. And why is that? Well, because those things, the moths, the rust, no thief can touch. There's a difference between things that Jesus says you can store up and things that you can't. Now remember, today's all about being thankful for provision. That we want the Lord to be our provider, right? What happens with us when we store up, we kind of take that job on ourselves. And so we got to be careful what things we're storing up, what things we're hoarding, what things we seem are valuable to us. The things in heaven sometimes are a little bit harder to navigate through, I guess, think about, than our earthly things. Um, our earthly things are pretty easy to kind of figure out. Uh, in fact, you know, if you could kind of imagine an imaginary treasure box, I know uh, Jesus was probably talking to people that had very little means at this time, uh, and their little treasure box would probably be like this, you know. They would have things stored up for a future time. Not us. We have the ability to store up all kinds of things in all, in all kinds of spaces. Um, I don't know how many things over the years my wife and I have moved over, around the country, around the world, and now... We've used storage bins uh, in many, many instances. We've had to take our stuff and put it in this big box because it's valuable to us and we lock it up and use it for another day. Those things are a little easier to kind of look at, right? We can see those. But what about the things that are heavenly? Those things are a little harder to kind of navigate through in our minds. Oh, how do I store up heavenly stuff? I don't even know where it goes. I just know he's saying going to heaven. Well, how about every time that you take of your provision and you give it out? The Bible, especially in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, talks about a couple of areas. When we give of our possessions, when we pray and when we fast in private, he says, great is your reward in heaven. The Bible talks a lot of time. I probably could have spent the rest of the time about heavenly rewards. Another place that you can do this is how about if you forgive someone? Every time you forgive someone, you store up treasures, something valuable in heaven. Something that rust and, and moth can't eat at and no thief can, can take away your forgiveness. How about when you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus? No one can take that away once you share it. What the person does with it, okay. However, no one can take that away. 
That will be in heaven forever. How about when you love your enemies? Love your enemies. Somebody that hates you. Somebody that persecutes you. Someone that you don't get along with. The Bible tells us over and over again these things are things that when we do these things, that's what we, when we hoard these things, when we gather up these things for ourselves, we're actually storing up treasures in heaven. Verse 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So kind of the reverse thinking of that, if we have a treasure box, if we have all of our valuables, depends on where they are, Jesus is saying, crack that lid open on that box, and when you look inside, you're going to see your heart. You're going to see where all your desires are. We're going to see where all of the things we deem valuable are pretty stern warning to make sure that we're not storing up earthly things here, that we are actually stirring, uh, storing up heavenly things. That should be our goal. That should be where our heart is. He's doing a heart check here is what he is doing. He is having us take a look at where our treasures are. The, the trouble with the treasures, where the, the place that they are, whether they're earthly things or heavenly things, are is that that's where all of our efforts end up being. That's how you can tell. It's kind of like a gauge in a sense. If you have more earthly treasures than you do heavenly treasures, it'll tell us something. But even the idea of having more heavenly treasures than we do earthly treasures is even not what Jesus wants. It's not what he's saying. Because our treasures have such an impact on our heart, they also have a direct impact on our minds. Let's read the next couple of verses there. Starting with verse 22, he says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what he's talking about is the eye is the gateway to our minds, right? You ever heard the term, uh, the eye is the gateway to your mind? That's what's kind of what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that whatever we allow to come into us affects the way we think. It affects our heart. It affects the way we respond to life in general. Remember, we're here with a mission. We're here with a purpose. We're not a mistake. And Jesus wants to be clear here, and he wants to keep us on track to where and what we should be doing, where our treasures should be. So what he's saying, these are our spiritual eyes he's talking about here. 
Is our eyes more focused on the things of this earth, the treasures of this earth, or do we have a focus or a mindset or a eye for the things of heaven? The insurance policy here is if we have an earthly treasure, one of these days they're going to be gone. If our treasures are here, as much as we enjoy this building, as much as we like coming here on Sunday mornings and on Thursday during the week, this building will be dust someday. If this becomes our treasure, if this is where our heart is, is this is where we look forward to this being, we love this building. The warning here is that this building will be gone. What we should be more concerned about is what's going on in the building and around the building and outside of the building. Does that make sense to you guys? Heavenly things should be our focus. He's talking about the lamp of the body being our eye, which goes right to our mind. What are we focused on? What is it we're looking at when we get up to start our day? Now, I don't want to go so far left or right here on the, when we're talking about this is that, um, you know, we are to work hard and we are to provide for our families and we are to do these things. We all have this stuff going on. What he's referring to is the storing up of, the excess of, the beyond today of what we're doing. If this is where, if we're into the earthly things and that's all we're focused on, that's why he's saying, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's almost like saying, it's a lost cause. If that's all you're going to focus on is earthly thing, then you're, the darkness is great. In fact, almost like the light can't even overcome it. That's what he's trying to illustrate here. In fact, if our eyes become so bad that it's, it'll be impossible to see heavenly treasures because we're so focused on the earthly ones. And you go, John, it sounds like you got some experience there. I do. There's been a part, a portion of my life, and praise the Lord for helping me see this thing spiritually and look through this thing. But it can be real easy all about this earth, all that we see. Everything we do is our calendars are planned about all around it, uh, what we do, what job we pick, uh, how we interact with our community, our friends, our relatives, can be all focused on the things that we see. But if we take all those experiences and roll them into spiritual sight, things begin to change. All of a sudden, we start giving to the church for the benefit of others instead of just going to the church. We, we forgive people. We, we share the gospel. We begin to look for people that um, we can forgive and that we are at odds with. All these things begin to change how we see them. They're the same things, but we, it's a different way to look at them. So not only does the material things affect our heart, 
but they affect our minds. But he also warns about our actions or our will. So let's continue. He says this in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. And then he nails, puts the nail in the coffin. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus uses the um, example of a servant and a master. And uh, we can easily see this. We, uh, you might not think we're in the slave-master uh, culture these days, but if, if you go to work you, and have a boss, uh, you have a master, right? If uh, you are your own boss, you have many masters. You have customers. <laughs> you have to answer to them. Well, try to serve, if you may think through this, try to think of your life as serving more than one of those masters. It's impossible, Jesus says, to love one of those and not despise the other. It's hard to take care of the one without being delinquent to the other. Because we're only one person, right? We can't serve in two areas, two people, two masters. And so with our, what we've already talked about, our background in, the, in our rearview mirror about treasures, we have the option of earthly treasures, we have the option of heavenly treasures. He says you can't do both. You can't do it. He said, you're either going to serve one and despise the other, all your heart, all your mind, as hard as you try to divvy that up, you'll find yourself doing a Chinese fire drill to the one that you despise. You will spend all your time on the one you want to do, and if that happens to be an earthly thing, you will find you will fight to take care of the heavenly things. Take care of your heavenly treasures. You will have a hard time storing up heavenly treasures. What he's asking us and what he's actually trying to get us to understand is that you cannot do it. So why are we trying so hard? Why are we trying so hard to work on those things that we can see, our earthly desires, our things we deem so important and so special and so much value in them on this earth. He says you can't do it. You can't serve both. Well, he says he's trying to save us some heartache is what he's trying to do. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about uh, your body, what you will put on. And here was the kicker for me this week. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Worry comes into our lives when we try to provide for ourselves. That's what the storing up and the laying up of earthly things gets us. We begin to hoard, we begin to store up things uh, of earthly value, completely neglecting all the things that are heavenly. All the things that God has put us on this planet to do for his glory, for it's why we were created, it's why we have purpose in this world. But when we do that, as we try to care for all these earthly things, we worry. We worry about them fading away. We worry about them going away. We worry about them rusting. We worry about the moths eating them. We worry that maybe somebody could even come in, break in, and steal them. We always have this tension about the things of this earth that we are hoarding, that we are gathering up for ourselves, for a future thing. It's okay, Jesus says, that we, you know, we're, we have interest in today, but he's asking us to look at the future. Let me take care of your future. He tells us to take a look at the birds. He says he loves the birds. He created the birds. He gave them purpose. They're flying around. They're not worried about anything. They're not trying to provide for themselves. Where are they getting their seed? God didn't ask them to sow it, to go out there and dig a hole and plant your, your bush or your tree or your berry bush, wherever they're going to get fed from. God took care of that for them. He does that for us in the same way. We're a little bit different than the birds of the air. We are, uh, we've been given dominion over the planet to take care of it. We have been given dominion over the animals and the birds, and they're our responsibility. And he says, how much more will your heavenly Father take care of you if he takes care of the birds of the air? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature, to your height? As much as I wish I could, I've been a runt my whole life, 5'8", never been, I think this is as much as I weigh now. Uh, they used to inflate my uh, football weight on, in the program when I was in high school. There's no way that they were going to, and this is a true story. The, the coach, I weighed like 135 in, in high school. Just a little skinny thing and little and small, but I could run. And so they give me the ball all the time. So it was great, but the coach would never put my real weight in, in the program. And, and I don't know why that was. I was always 165. I guess he was ashamed of me, I don't know, but it was just kind of weird. 
But this is the thing. I, I would love to have been a bigger guy in high school so I could have pounded through the line like, I, like some of the bigger guys. But I can do nothing about that. I can't add to my stature. I, there's things that we just cannot do in a sense of providing for ourselves. That's really what Jesus is trying to help us understand. And nor was it ever your responsibility to add to your stature. Nor was it ever God's plan for the birds to learn how to be a farmer, to plant seed and to water it and to grow it so that they could eat. That was never the plan. He goes on. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never, uh, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little Faith. I was doing pretty good until that last statement. Jesus is really saying when we worry about life's basic needs, things that we need not just for today, but when they, we worry about those things into tomorrow, it becomes our whole focus. We take our eyes off of heaven. And this becomes where our heart is. When we do this, Jesus is saying, we have lost our faith in him. We have lost our faith in God providing for us. We try to do it ourselves. So we hoard. So we gather. And we get all these things we deem valuable because we don't trust God. That's really what it's saying. You might not come out and say that because I know y'all, when we come in the door every week, you have a happy face and you're ready to serve and, and worship Jesus. And you would never come in the door and tell me that, you know, John, I've lost faith this week. I've been providing for myself. You, would, you wouldn't do that. But I know it's true a, the scriptures tell us that when we provide for ourselves, when we take this on ourselves, worry comes into our lives and takes the focus off where we really need to be looking, where we really need to be storing up. He says when you take things into your own hands, you have lost faith. He says, 31, therefore, do not worry saying what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall wear. For all, after all these things, the Gentiles seek. He's talking about the Gentiles. There are those that don't know God. They have no other way or no other thought capable of providing, so they provide for themselves. They don't know God. They have no knowledge of God being a provider. So it's kind of like Jesus is acknowledging that it makes sense that people that don't know God 
go out there and do these things because they're just providing for themselves. They don't know any different. But he's saying for you and for me and for anyone that, that knows the Lord and know he is... He has created us and knows that he is our provider and that's what he wants to be. We lack the faith when we begin to provide for ourselves. To continue in verse 32, he says, For your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need all these things. God knows everything. God knows every single need that you have. He wants to be the guy to provide that. God wants to provide for your need. Now, you notice it doesn't say, for your heavenly Father knows that all the things that you want. That wasn't a typo. Need. He knows all these things that you need. And he promises to take care of them. You say, where does he say that? In the next verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are all these things? Clothing, food, water, your needs. You, if you look at these things, most of the things that we store up, earthly things, they're none of these. I know the ladies get a little hammered about having a lot of shoes in your closet kind of thing. But most of the time, you know, we don't, we're not storing up tons of clothing. We're not storing up tons of food. You know, we're not storing up tons of drink. We, those things we need, the Heavenly Father knows we need them. He's going to provide for them. We ha we'll get those. He's more concerned about those things where you're storing up for yourself for a future day because we don't trust him. That we don't think he will provide for us. His encouragement, actually his command says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth because they are going to go away. So we're not to worry. Um, when we worry, I clipped a little thing out of my uh, commentary this week because it was so good and it's not right if I rip it off and say it come from me. I wish I could, but I'm going to quote it for you. It says, when we worry, it denies the love of God by implying that he doesn't care for us. That's the implication that we get when we worry when we try to take things on ourselves. It denies his wisdom by implying that he doesn't know what he is doing. We know better. We know that we should be storing this stuff up. And it also denies his power by implying that he isn't able to provide for our needs. Remember, God has provided us with purpose and in this life, and this, his um, purpose is to bring him glory. The statement there over and over this week, I kept reading, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? 
there is more to this life, guys, and I know you know that. There is more to this life than just hoarding up these things and gathering up stuff for the future. Believe me, I'm thinking about it now more than I ever have. I soon to be 65 years old. I know I look like 30. That's cool. No, not really. But I think about my future, you know, when it comes to provision. And I'm thankful for the things that the Lord has given me, and he has given us way more than we'll ever need. He's challenging our heart today. He's challenging us in a way that wherever your treasure is, you're going to find your heart. Wherever that accumulation is, Jesus is saying, I know where your heart is. He's just asking us to take a look at it and so that we will know where our heart is. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Do you know, do you see the conditional part of that statement there? He doesn't just say, well, I'm going to make sure you got all these things. I'll add all these things to you. What is he really trying to say there to us? Put the kingdom of God first. Seek this thing first. Make it a priority in all this other stuff that you're always worried about. I'll just give it to you. I'll add it to you. It'll be yours. As I wrap things up here today and conclude, as we do every work, we're going to kind of give a moment that we can kind of think about just what the Lord just said. I'm still thinking about it, and I've thought about it all week. Our treasures have a direct impact on our heart, on our mind, and on our will. What we do during the day, during the week, during the month, during the year is directly affected by where our treasures lie. Today we're being thankful, of course, for everything that God has given us. I pray that you've been refocused on that he has given us life. We're not a mistake, that we are here with a purpose and our purpose is not to worry about all the stuff that we have. We have a greater purpose in that, he says. Don't store up those earthly things. Store up the heavenly things. Man, if we make the kingdom of God our priority, those things come. He'll give them to us. And there's a real good chance, you know, all those wants that we have, those are going to just kind of grow faintly dim. They won't be such a high priority to us. Man, there's a lot of things we can want in this life, right? Right? Oh, my. I love a lot of the things that are out there. I would love to have them. But the challenge is, are they my treasure? Or are heavenly things my treasure? So there's a challenge I always give each week. Is our treasure Jesus? 
Do we treasure our Lord and our Savior? Guaranteed you, he treasures you. Over and over and over again, he tells us how much he loves us. In fact, he gave himself for us. So if during our prayer time today and time of reflection, if, if you've gotten things a little wonky, fix it. Fix it with the Lord. Go to him. Tell him you're sorry. Tell you're ready to repent. Turn the other way from making earthly things a priority. That you cannot, you realize today, you cannot serve two masters. Jesus said it, and now you're just finally figuring it out. We each, all of us have to figure this out. Do you treasure Jesus? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? I pray you do. If you don't, I can point you in that direction. I can help you. I can help you confess your sins to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins. I can help you with that. We can go to him, and if you're ready to make him Lord of your life, I can help you with that. There's a couple of our elders that will be up here and around the building today as well, but I just pray you do not delay. If the Lord is speaking to you in some way, shape, or form about these treasures and he's making you realize that you treasure something other than him, I pray today is the day. I pray today is the day that he becomes your treasure. So let's take a few minutes, reflect on what he said. I'll come back and we'll close together um, as we go out. Let's pray. We thank you for the grace that it takes for us to be in a place that we're not supposed to be. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your long-suffering, your patience that it takes to get us to realize these things. Lord, you're our treasure. May we never forget that. May we, going forward, may we store up these things that will never rot, decay, rust, or thief be able to steal away from us. These things that you call heavenly treasures. Man, am I thankful for your grace, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone that does not know you in the sound of my voice or in this building or anywhere later in this video, May they reach out to you and just ask you to forgive them. And Lord, we know the promise of Scripture is that if anybody comes to you and confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, they can be saved from the penalty of their sin. 
Lord, that's what I pray this morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go out today, last week I had you, I gave you a set of glasses, right? To kind of look at your trials a little different. Uh, this way I hope that the Lord has spoken to you that you'll look at your treasures maybe a little different, right? And uh, reevaluate those and kind of adjust uh, let it be known that I love you guys. This is uh, such a joy to be here. I am so thankful for you guys. And uh, as you go out, spread the good news, okay? Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving with whoever you, uh, you're uh, with. And uh, let this be known, if you need a place to go, uh, Tamil and I will receive you. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, my son's house. We would love to have you as our guest. If you have no place to go, come and see me or Tamala. It would be awesome to celebrate Thanksgiving with you. So see you next Sunday.